Welcome into the Full Tilt Debbie Pod, where we keep you tilting just by uh, not having our names on there even. Uh, I'm at Nelstra Thomas, and this is at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter, of course. No, I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy Starr, at ASTARFF on Twitter. Uh, you'll see that the overlay does not match that if you're watching on YouTube or on, uh, on Twitter. But, you know, we're... We're like the the black sheep of the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast network, and so we don't get overlays made for us. We don't get intros and 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 everything else. So you know, we we do what we got to do here. <laughs> but Andy's uh, back from uh, going way 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 far away. No, he actually did not go nearly as far away as he thought he was going to. But he d- is back from vacay. And how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh... Just in case anyone's listening, if your passport expires within three months of leaving the country, you need to get that renewed because uh, they told me no thank you and I could not go to Italy. But we did end up going to Utah, see some of the national parks, so we had a good time doing that. Utah, the Italy of America, as you know, they say. You know what's funny is like when we were there, like we, we were talking to actual Italians that came to Utah on vacation. So I was like, oh, okay, well, Italy must not be so great if you guys are here. Right. It's funny how that all that stuff works out. You know, it's like I live in Florida and, you know, I could literally go to the beach or whatever within 30 minutes of my house at any given day. And it's the last thing I want to do. Yet people will save up for years just so they can make a trip to Florida so they can go to the beach and and do all that kind of stuff. And it's like I said, literally the last thing I want to do. Right. But I'm glad that you're back. Uh, we had some real, you know, some really quality football games the past couple of weeks, and I did, uh, I did a Debbie recap for you. And I'll tell you what, that's not nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be. It's a, uh, it's, it's quite a bit of work, you know, trying to go over, cover all the games, you know, focus on who you have to talk about, like what's important, all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm glad that I don't do that weekly. I will, I will give you props for that. <laughs> I'll, uh, yours was like way better than any anything I've ever done. Like you went way in depth into like seven different games. I was like, damn, now I got to step mine up a little bit. So last week I was like, mine was like, went from its normal five minutes to seven minutes. But uh, yeah, Yeah, I I was like, I was like, where do I cut it off? I mean, I can, I can, you guys know, I can talk all fucking night. You know? So I, I'm like, where do I cut it off? Cause I mean, I, I talked about three games. Like I felt like I could talk about five more, but like I said, it's a lot. You have to research it. You know, you have to know what you're talking about. You can't just talk out of your ass. Like I do on the pods every time, but, um, but I am glad that you're back. I'm glad that, and, and if you guys haven't listened to the, the Debbie recap from this week, it is out on podcast form on YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Definitely make sure you're checking it out. Uh, just you know, keeping uh, an eye and an ear on uh, what's important with the players that are important for Devi purposes, and and the, the games that are important, like what you should be focusing on, stuff like that. So, uh, I think that the the most important game from that recap would be definitely Texas versus Alabama. It's all that just about anyone podcast articles twitter whatever are talking about. It is Texas back? Is the question that I have to ask you, Jacob? I mean, Andy. Um, I think they're back personally. Um, I know that they've, they've been in like this situation a few other times where they're like, yeah, Texas, we're back. We're Texas is back. And then they were not back. Um, but I mean, they looked really pretty good. I mean, Quinn Ewers started out kind of slow, but he still ended up putting together that 350 yard performance, three touchdowns over nine yards per attempt. He's hitting the deep balls to AD Mitchell. 
Xavier Worthy and JT Sanders are looking solid. The running game's looking good. I know CJ Baxter, formerly known as Cedric Baxter, uh, got a little banged up there at the end. Uh, but Jonathan Brooks has been solid enough. Um, I just feel like this team, you know, adding in what they did defensively, I feel like Jalen Milrow had no idea what he was doing out there. He was seeing ghosts, kind of like, uh, you know, Sam Darnold back in the day. Um, it, it's just, it, it's a team that looks like they're probably going to have no trouble in the Big 12. Um, you know, the only other team there that you might consider giving them a run for their money would be like Oklahoma or maybe maybe Kansas. Um, and I just don't see that happening right now. I think there's they're just better, well-coached, and they've got more talent. And this this is a team that looks like they're poised to make a, a run deep deep into the season, probably into the college football playoff, if, if I had to make a guess right now. Yeah, and I will say, you know, compared to what they have been, I, I will say Texas is back. I am a little concerned that, like, Alabama – is Alabama so people are going to say oh you know it was a quality win i don't know that it was a quality win i mean they alabama is bad i mean they're really bad right now the defense is not great the the secondary has been suspect for what two years now at, at the very least and they've been allowing you know quite a bit uh you know as far as uh as big time throws and, and all that kind of stuff for for quite some time now so this isn't something new um and, and I mean, I, I've heard some podcasts talking about how like Quinn Ewers doesn't have a great deep ball and it's kind of fluttering and all that. Like, I don't, I don't care enough to, to like scout it that much. So I'm not trying even like making those arguments. I'm just saying that, you know, like maybe some of those plays were a little fluky just because of the defense. And so I don't want to count on it too much. Now I'm not, I'm not hating on him by any means. Like he did it. Quinn Ewers did what he was supposed to do. But Jalen Milrow also turned the ball over twice, um, you know, giving them the giving them the ball in, in decent situations where they could go make you know make these scores. When you get that uh, momentum and you, you you take advantage of it by you know doing these big play calls and and then it works out. Next thing you know, you're up by two three touchdowns that that kind of thing. And I think when it was all said and done, they only they only won by a touchdown against a terrible Alabama team for Alabama purposes. Uh, so, are they back? Uh, you know, maybe not, but are I mean, are they back compared to what they have been? Absolutely. I, I just think, and, and like, like you said, they don't really have much as far as the schedule to where like they don't have a lot of competition or anything. So like they're gonna score a lot. They're going to win a lot of games, and they're going to you know probably. Uh, I mean, they sh- damn, they they might even go undefeated. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, so I, I guess technically, if you're looking at it that way, they are back. But I mean, if they go up against a Georgia or something like that, they're going to get absolutely waxed. So if they're going that far, no, they are not back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that might be a little unfair. Obviously, Georgia is just a juggernaut at this point. Um, even like a team like Michigan, I think, could go toe-to-toe with this Texas team pretty relatively easily. Um but yeah, to go back to what you were saying about Alabama and their struggles, you know, we've we already spoke about Milrow looking, you know, really bad out there. You mentioned the two picks. Um, he had a 14% turnover-worthy uh, play rate in that game, which is just horrendous. Um, he's a, he's a liability for this team, and I don't know how you move forward with him after that week. I feel like you need to either see what you have with Ty Simpson or you, Tommy Reese goes with what he knows in Tyler and uh, Buckner. Um, for me, I think 
go with the unknown and, you know, see what you have with Simpson at this point, you know, the, the season, I wouldn't say it's, it's lost, you know, you could still win out and beat Georgia and in the sec championship and make your way into the college football playoff that way. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's certainly, you know, within a, something that they're, they're probably talking about right now. But for me, I, I just feel like you, you got to see what you got with Ty Simpson. Um, he former five-star couldn't win the job outright in camp, but I think it's time to see what he's got in the field. And then, like you said, uh, the rest of the team is just not really one impressive player on that entire offense. Uh, Kobe Prentice has kind of performed the best out of the wide receiver group this, this far, but he's only run 24 routes all season. So I can't really say that his stock is rising or anything like that. There's just, it's really disappointing. This wide receiver group has just been dull for two seasons now. And it's upsetting for a school that was basically a lock to have a wide receiver drafted in the first round every single year. And then same thing with the running backs, like McClellan just looked pedestrian out there, nothing really special at all. It just feels like the offense doesn't have really any identity, which is obviously not a good thing if you're a Bama fan. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some takes, uh, you know, from people saying, oh, Milrose still offers them the best chance to win and all that. Like, you already lost. You know, you lost to Texas. You know you're not beating any, like, quality teams, like, truly quality teams. Because, once again, I don't believe that Texas is that great. <laughs> you know, so, um, at that point, why are you holding on to hope? Like, Milrow has proven through two seasons now that he cannot throw the ball. Uh, you know, honestly, he's not even really, like, protecting the ball or doing anything like that very well. So, like, is he truly helping you? Uh, I'm with you. I, I think that Simpson deserves a shot. But, you know, maybe it's my bias because I have Buckner and a couple uh, C2C teams. But I, I honestly think that Buckner might give them the best shot right now. Because I believe, believe if Simpson could throw the ball and do it well, he would have already beat out uh, Milrow. Just like I believe the same thing with Devin Brown and, and Kyle McCord for Ohio State. So I feel like that just kind of shows us right there that it, it's not happening with those two. Now, I'm not saying that don't give Simpson a shot. He, he's probably earned it. And he, he deserves it, all that kind of stuff. But, man, I, I feel like Buckner's shown us that he can at least throw the ball. Um, not always safely, but, you know, he, he, he can at least push the ball down the field. And that's what we need to see from Alabama right now. We need to see some big plays and stuff like that that you cannot see with Jalen Milrow. And so I feel like that, you know, Buckner getting a shot at some point. I, I called it before the season started. I said Buckner will see the, see, the, the field at some point this season. I didn't know exactly when it was going to be. Man, it feels like it's, it's coming pretty damn soon. Yeah, and something's got to change there, right? I mean, Milrow's not the answer. So I think you're right. Buckner probably gives him the best chance right now. I just kind of like the idea of, you know, seeing what you got. And I guess it's probably not that time in the season yet to just kind of mail it in and just see what you have. But um, I don't, I, I just feel like this Alabama team and Clemson and Ohio State, like it's kind of the changing of the guard, like the, these, these, blue chip schools that have dominated college football for the last decade are kind of feeling like they're taking a step back in this new NCAA with NIL and everything else that's happening right now. Um, because it just doesn't seem like they're keeping up with, with how things are changing. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, you know, they kind of talked about it when, uh, NIL first started getting big, you know, like, Oh, you know, we're not going to fall for this. We're not going to let these players or, or, you know, whoever tell us who to draft and who to recruit and all that kind of stuff. And 
Eh, maybe you should have, you know, you, you, for programs like Bama and Ohio state and Clemson, like you have the money, you know, you have the boosters to do whatever for NIL, just, just do it. Like, it's just, it's the new world. You you, you know, but when you've been dealing the same way for so many years, you're obviously going to be slow to, to do any kind of changes or anything like that. You're, Oh no, I'm Nick Saban. You're just going to come play for me because it's like, ah, I might just go play somewhere else because they pay me seven mil. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like that hard of a decision for these young kids. I don't know, you know, I think it just came from a place of their ego, just thinking like, you know, kids are going to want to come play for our school because we're the best. It's like, well, they another school could end up being the best, you know, if they if they're if they're paying the right amount of money, which that's what I think we're seeing right now. Speaking of Bama paying uh, players money, there was uh, rumors out there that Bama offered Drake May a lot of money uh, this offseason to bring him over, maybe realizing that they didn't have a quality QB uh, there to you know run the offense. And I kind of wish that Drake May had taken them up on that offer, but he did not. And that'll transition us over to the next question of, is it panic time for Drake May? Now, you wrote this question. I obviously would have never written a question like that. Um, it's clearly never panic time for, for Drake May. But I I will let you begin so I can tell you uh, why you're wrong if you say anything slanderous versus or for Drake May. All right. I'm going to tread lightly. Uh, one second. So... Drake May. I, I wrote I wrote down what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh God. Now I'm scared. <laughs> so all right. This is gonna be kind of like a case study of how the NFL views QBs that may have ha, may have inflated numbers due to the system that they played in. In this case, Drake May played for Phil Longo. Um, and I've been treading lightly on this Drake May stuff for the last year now because of this. Uh, and it's like it's because, and I've told you this many times, I was burned on it by Sam Howell. Now, I know that Howell may end up be, uh, prevailing and being a decent starting quarterback in the NFL, but the scouts did not give him the best opportunity by letting him fall to the fourth round behind the likes of Malik Willis, Bailey Zappi, Desmond Ritter, and I believe Matt Corral also got drafted ahead of Sam Howell. So I still have the scars from all that pain. Um, so now Drake May doesn't have Longo. And we're seeing the numbers falter. And and it's not his fault because they have been running the crap out of Amari and Hampton. And we had an inkling this might happen with their new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsay, who does like to run the ball more. Where I start to panic is in a game like last weekend where UNC is heavy favorites and then Drake May isn't able to ever really put the game away. And I'm not saying that's his fault um, because at the end of the day, he's you know kind of beholden to what his – uh, offensive coordinator, what plays are coming in. Uh, but they ended up, you know, just sneaking a win out in overtime against App State, and he never even threw a, t- a touchdown pass in that game. Um, I mentioned on the recap that statistically he hasn't looked bad aside from the lack of touchdowns. The yards per attempt and big-time throw rate are both down a little bit from last year, but uh, turnover-worthy plays and A dot and pressures and sacks, uh, those are all down too. So what that tells me is that the system is different. It's prioritizing these quick, safe throws. Uh, The only thing I can say for certain right now is that it's not good for Drake May that this is happening. Um, We want him to be making those deeper home run throws, and he hasn't been doing that. Uh, So it'll be interesting interesting to see how the NFL still views him as 
as a clear QB two, especially with the QB play that's been going on this season in this 2024 class. Like there's been a lot of solid play so far. Uh, so, I mean, I think to say that he's a clear cut QB two right now is kind of difficult. Now I'm not panicking. I'll just, I'll just make that clear yet, but I, I could, I could be there. Too. All right. I'm, I'm glad that you caveated that. Uh, if that's a word, uh, but I, I, I let, now let me tell you why you're wrong. First of all, uh, you, you mentioned Sam Howell. you know, Oh, he didn't, he, he didn't get drafted into the fifth round, right? But that's terrible. He got drafted behind all these QBs. All right. Who's starting for the Washington, uh, Washington commanders right now. And that's why I said that. Yes, I understand. He's, and I'm happy that that happened because it's starting to make it less painful. I thought that my whole world had right. ended. So, so the, the NFL can screw up. They do it all the time. They they draft you know they, they draft a, a John Ross in in the first round you know tenth overall, and they draft a, a Sam Howell in the fifth round, and Brock Purdy in the you know as the the last guy and everything. So we see this kind of stuff happen all the time. This is why I'm very I'm always saying player talent over uh, over draft capital. Draft capital matters, but it doesn't matter that much. Uh, so I don't care if Drake may doesn't get drafted until the third round. Yeah, that would suck. And I wouldn't be ideal. Wouldn't be exactly what I want, but I'm not going to freak out about it either because I believe in the talent for Drake may against South Carolina this year without uh Devontae's Walker, you know, with who he has as a receiving core this year, which is not spectacular by any means. He actually looked amazing in week one against a, a quality sec opponent. It wasn't, you know, one of those like, throwaway games that you see a lot of teams start out with. No, it was a quality win that they got uh, completed 75% of his passes, 269 yards, two touchdowns, two fluky interceptions that were like bounces, bouncing off of people's hands and stuff going right to a defender. Um, Not overly concerned about that at all. Four rushing attempts for 25 yards. Great. This week, uh, you know, people are freaking out about Drake may after week two. So he must've been like a way worse, right? 70% 70% completion rate, 208 passing yards, zero passing touchdowns, 11 rushing attempts, 57 rushing yards, and a, a rushing touchdown. Okay. The thing is, do you remember the uh, game for against a- Appalachian State last year? You probably I, don't. I, because I remember why, that it was like super high scoring. I think he had like six yeah. touchdowns in that game. Yeah. The game finished 63-61. to 61. Uh, last year, and I mean, obviously, it was it was very high scoring, uh, a lot of passing. Appalachian State always comes to play against UNC. I don't know what it is, but I mean, they UNC had to come back for last year to win that game. They were losing, I, b- I believe, at halftime or whenever they were losing, third quarter, whatever it was. So Appalachian State comes to play. This isn't like the easiest opponent or anything like that. Like you know, some of these teams like. You talk about like a USC. They've literally played no one. You know, they play like Nevada and I forget uh, San Jose State and like literally no one have they played yet. And now they're on a bye. Like it's I, who the hell made their schedule because they somebody's getting paid. I, I know that much. But uh, to answer your question and to, and to you know to affirm why you are incorrect here, Drake May is doing what he is doing with like literally no supporting cast. He has like. Nesbit and and that's about it. Uh, maybe Kobe Pesor as his receiving core, but he's still doing it. Like he he's still being safe with the ball. He's still 
he's he's still putting up that you know high completion rate, the big time throws. He's still running. He's doing all the things we want to see. Now it's not 400 uh, yards passing and five touchdowns like we would love to see. But he's still showing us that he has what it takes to be an NFL QB. And so I'm not concerned about that at all. No, I'm not panicking about Drake May. Sure, if you're talking about CFF or C2C purposes, you know, okay, maybe you're not starting him right now. That's fine. But if you're talking about Debbie purposes, there's no panic whatsoever. Yeah, I and I agree. Like I mentioned it. It just feels like, and maybe it is the supporting cast um, that – there is nobody there. Like you said, I think Kobe Pacer leads the team with like 18 targets. And then, then after that, it's like Gavin Blackwell with 10. Like there's nobody on this, in this receiving core. Yeah, Nate, really... Nate McCollum came over as a transfer and he's been hurt. Devontae Walker came over as a transfer and they didn't let him play. You know, like they, they we knew things were going to be bad. And then they took away the best player in the offense, uh, as far as the wide receivers are concerned, at least. So of course it's not going to be great. Things are not going to be great when you don't have your best uh, wide receiver on the field. Um, you know, it, not, not comparing the players at all, but it, it kind of makes me think about Tyler Van Dyke last year. Um, you know, he lost his number one wide receiver in uh, Xavier Restrepo and, uh, right away, and he was terrible the entire season. He had shown promise uh, the, the year prior, and guess what? Now he has Restrepo, he has Colby Young, and guess what? He looks really damn good this year. So you know, we can get it, we can understand that there you know there's context in play. Like Caleb Williams is going to look amazing when you have every single wide receiver under the sun and, you know, like all these exciting uh, prospects playing against no one. And Drake May is not going to look as amazing with a much worse receiving core playing against actual, uh, you know, actual opponents that are, you know, showing up and actually playing defense against him. Yeah. No, I'm glad you're, uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not on the ledge or anything, but if I was, I guess you're kind of talking me off the ledge. Um, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Right. I mean, you want to, you want to see the numbers at the end of the day, um, the touchdowns. And I think the NFL wants to see the touchdowns. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like you 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 don't believe in draft capital and I'm, I'm slowly coming around to that too. Um, you know, it's a lot harder for me at times, but, um, uh, I, I also think, you know, with where this class is and we'll get into like the 2024 position groups here in a little bit, um, just like where this quarterback class is at right now, it's easy to get the, the, the waters are getting kind of muddied with just the top end of this, of this class is like really looking good. You mentioned Tyler Van Dyke. We're going to mention a bunch of guys here. Uh, they've just looked really good. So. Um, this could be a year where a guy like Drake may, you know, has a down year and then he gets lost in the shuffle and then ends up falling back more picks than he should in the NFL draft. Yeah, and honestly, not to say that I want it to happen, you know, but thinking, going back to Sam Howell, uh, that's exactly what happened. You know, people were talking about Sam Howell being the number one overall pick at one point. Then of course he did, you know, in NFL drafts and in uh, in uh, rookie drafts as well for fantasy football. Then obviously he gets drafted in the fifth round, completely off of like ninety five percent of people's radars. Now, mind you, I was telling people draft him in the mid to late second round of rookie drafts because I believed in the talent. So it was great because I I believed in the talent, I believe in this player, 
and I'm getting him in mid to se- mid to late second round picks instead of having to pick uh, 101, 102, 103, whatever uh, on this player trading up, doing whatever to get him. So sometimes it actually works out because guess what? Once again, he's a starting NFL QB right now. And uh, yeah, maybe he doesn't have quite the investment that we would love to see from the team and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's reasons why you want him to have first round draft capital, that, that kind of thing. But sometimes it's actually kind of nice when these players fall through the cracks and you're like, ah, I'm going to go get him. I mean, even thinking back to like a Sean Tucker, we, we were both big fans of Sean Tucker. He has this heart condition. He's already number two on the, you know, he, he goes undrafted in the NFL draft. He's kind of off people's radars for rookie drafts, that kind of thing. He's already the number two running back for the Bucks, And, you know, people are talking about him possibly taking over at some point and all that kind of stuff now. But, you know, think about a month, two months ago. Now, I mean, it's a heart condition, so it's a little different. But, you know, thinking about draft capital, all that kind of stuff. When these players slip through the cracks, sometimes it's nice because you're just getting a value on them. For sure. Yeah. And we love value. <laughs> we absolutely do. How are you doing on your drink? Are you ready to take a break now? Because we have a long break this time. We're not going to we're not going to kill you with the intro anymore. I think that bit is done. Um, so we're going to try and get back. I've been trying to push for, uh, for for Tommy T and Lucas to get us some, some videos that I can play here like we used to do. They haven't done it, so I took it into my own hands, and I actually brought a, a video over from the Debbie Devotional the other podcasts that I do and we're going to take uh and we're going to take a little break here and we're going to listen to uh me talking about Jaquindon Jackson. We'll be right back. I didn't hear Jaquindon Jackson Utah in there. I, I think that he's right in that conversation. Um again, a guy who has not really put it all together quite yet, but now he gets more opportunity this year. I feel like Jaquindon Jackson is is a lot more of a projection than people want to admit. I feel like it's just like he was this sleeper of all sleepers that like no one really knew who he was and all that kind of stuff. And then now because of that, like people have gotten overly hyped about him. I'm not saying that he can't do something or, or you know, whatever, but I just I, I cannot possibly have him in that tier just yet. Like he he has some. Like, he has some nice uh, pieces to his game. He's not much of a receiver. Uh, you know, so, like, we, we don't love that. He has uh, he has great size. I mean, obviously, what was he, a converted quarterback, right? So, like, like he has great size. He has all that. But, I mean, the dude has attempted 80 rushing attempts. <laughs> like, let, let's all calm down a little bit. You want to talk about small samples. Like, let's, let's calm down just a bit. So, yeah, I like what I've seen out of Jaquindon Jackson. Uh, I need to see a lot more and I need to see a little bit more of in that receiving game because otherwise you're just talking about uh, a much worse version of of uh, Braylon Allen and I'm, I, I'm, I'm not like all in on that. Not all in on that. Uh, sorry for, for going all in on uh, Braylon Allen there, <laughs> going at your boy, who we could probably discuss here in a little bit because people are panicking a little bit about him. Uh, sorry, that was a, a little bit longer of a break than we're probably used to, but uh, you know we need time to go grab our beers and stuff. And like I said, I'm, I'm, we're gonna get we're gonna get some actual videos that we can play, maybe like thirty second clips, like we're supposed to have. Uh, we will definitely focus on getting that, but. Like I said, uh, Braylon Allen, maybe a little bit of panic, but after two weeks of watching football, we obviously have to start talking about these players. Who are we, who are we hyped about? Who's up? Who's down? Like that kind of thing. Um, 
I guess we can go ahead and start with the QBs because we actually have, have seen some of these uh, 2024 QBs start out and some of them are looking pretty damn good. Are, how are you feeling about the class as a whole now? And who's really like skyrocketing up your board uh, for the 2024 class? So as a whole, I feel great about the quarterbacks. Um, and, I'm, you know, the Drake May conversation kind of leads right into this. Um I don't think we need to talk about QB one at this point. I think we're all on board that Caleb Williams is probably QB one barring some catastrophe. I'm sure there's a few stragglers, but uh, they'll get on the train here eventually. Um, Then you got Drake may obviously, Um, but you know, with how he's been playing, you know, and how good everyone else has been playing. I think it's kind of like the wild West after, after Caleb Williams, um, I looked at a recent CBS sports mock draft. They had six quarterbacks going in the first round. Um, Caleb Williams was obviously one, uh, then Drake may, and then you had Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix and Shadur Sanders. Uh, and that's still not mentioning guys like Riley Leonard, who I think ESPN mentioned on their broadcast that they had in their top three, uh, Quinn Ewers, who just beat Alabama, one of the highest rated prospects of high school of all time. And then you've also got guys like Joe Milton, Jordan Travis, KJ Jefferson. And then we even talked about like Spencer Rattler and DJU have looked pretty good. And Tyler Van Dyke looked really good. Sam Hartman's looked really good. So there's a ton of names that you could argue right now as being like day one, definitely day two draft picks. Um, they probably won't all be because it's just a sheer volume of them at this point that it just it doesn't make sense that all of them are going to be drafted highly. But there, there's an argument to be made about all of them. Uh, to answer your question, who's skyrocketing the most? I think the obvious answer is Shadur Sanders. Uh, he's 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 definitely got the most uh, the biggest spotlight, and so far he's shown up, especially in the second half. He's looked great this year. I think it's helped out his receivers on that team quite a bit and improving their draft stock as well. Um, I mean, he's, he's looked great. He's got like almost 800 yards passing on the season. Um, he doesn't really turn the ball over. He's making the deep throws. He can make the plays on the ground. So I think Shadur Sanders right now has really earned the most, um, you know, hype since, since this season began. And I don't think there's really much argument to be made there. No, there's really not. And I mean, I honestly, I kind of, I did not believe even after week one, I honestly believed that the TCU defense was just that bad. Um, and I still believe that, but I will say Nebraska's defense is pretty good. And at the very least, and they went out and I, I, at the beginning of the game, it looked like Nebraska was going to hold them to just about zero points, uh, maybe a couple field goals or something like that. Uh, it was closer to the second half or, you know, closer to the end of the first half. And then going into the second half, all of a sudden it just didn't matter. I don't know if Nebraska got gassed. I mean, maybe actually it honestly could have been that because they could not do anything on offense. And so it could have just been that their defense got gassed or whatever, but you still have to give uh, Shador Sanders and Colorado credit that they went against a big 10 opponent, you know, an actual opponent and, uh, and, and played very well. So, it wasn't like the 500 yards passing five touchdowns, like that kind of thing from week one, but it was still a very good, uh, solid game. He's absolutely skyrocketed up, uh, the boards there. But I think that, I think that one player that's a little surprising, 
Um, but maybe not so much for me, maybe more surprising for you and the listeners that has been very good through a couple weeks. And I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to continue this way, but through a couple weeks, Jackson Dart is actually looking pretty darn good. And he's actually skyrocketed up the board for me as well. How do you feel about Dart there? Um, is it possible I could be taking multiple victory laps on Jackson Dart when it's all said and done? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know how many victory laps you could take on Jackson Dart. But, yeah, I mean, he's looked really good through two games. Um, 12 yards per attempt, six touchdown passes. Uh, the The big-time throw rate is better than what it's been. He's He does have one interception, but, you know, overall, he's looking pretty good. Uh, he's making the throws downfield. I really like Trey Harris on that team. I think that he's really uh, targeted him a lot out of the receiving game. Um, and then, you know, Quinshawn Judkins, I think everyone's kind of keying in on him in the first couple of games. And that's kind of allowed uh, Jackson Dart to kind of shine a little bit. So I I don't know if it, if it's going to continue, you know, they've played uh, a decently difficult schedule. I think they played um, last week, they played Tulane. Uh, obviously Michael Pratt got hurt towards the end of the game there and they kind of ran away with it. So, uh, you know, it was a, that, that's a tough opponent, uh, Tulane, and they had to go on the road there and they won pretty easily. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on Jackson Dart for now. Uh, I, it is a little bit surprising. Spencer Sanders looked good in the, in the few snaps that he took as well for, if, since we're talking about Ole Miss, but <laughs> just want to throw that in there. Oh, man, it was so funny. Today I was looking at uh, waivers ran in one of my C2C leagues, and I was looking to see who I got. I got uh, Thomas Castellanos uh, from, uh, uh, I don't even remember. Boston who, College. But, uh, yeah, Boston College, thank you. And I I got I got him for a buck, so I was happy about that. I didn't waste any money or anything like that. I, you know, And I, it's a three QB league, so I need all that. But I'm, I'm looking through, like, okay, this player got this, whatever. And I see Spencer Sanders' name, and I was like, what the hell? And then I realized he was a drop and I was like, Oh, that's just too perfect. You know, after all this and into the whole off season and everything, seeing him dropped in a three QB league, uh, is just perfection. So, uh, you love to see it. And I mean, they played Mercer week one, they played Tulane week two. Maybe it's not the toughest schedule, but I mean, once again, he's looking pretty damn good through, uh, through two weeks. So, I, I think that even if he drops off a little bit, he can at least be on radars now where he was kind of just thrown to the curb by just about everyone, uh, except for me, of course, uh, you know, when it was you know, or in the off season. I, I mean, I guess I, I, I just feel like this is not the, the year for a guy like um, Jackson Dart to come out because you're just going to have too much competition at the top for cute quarterbacks, um, especially like these older guys like Bo Nix and, Michael Penix and all these other guys that are like six year players that are definitely going to come out this year. Uh, I think that he ends up staying another year and then, you know, that might end up being really good for him, especially if he continues on this trajectory because uh, you know, that's going to start putting him into the conversation for top of the list for the 2025 QBs. Yeah. And like you said, some of these QBs are going to have to drop off because I mean, I'm, I've talked about Noah Kim in the past. I'm kind of, you know, hyped about him. He's looked pretty damn good through two games as well. 
uh, and albeit against pr- pretty easy opponents. So, like, I, I would expect him to, to fall off a little bit. And, and, I mean, these players, all these players cannot come out. So some of them are going to have to stay another year, uh, make that decision. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, sticking to my originals uh, of, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, K.J. Jefferson. Um, you know, then I'm willing to throw a Jackson Dart in after that. You know, Shador Sanders, uh, you know, of course. And then, you know, like, Noah Kim, <coughs> uh, Tyler, <coughs> he's not quite there yet, but he he's getting there. You know, like I, I need to see more than one game. Like I feel like Alabama is his Super Bowl after how people like talked about him last year, and so you know we need to see more than just the the one game. And like I said, Alabama did not show up for this game by any means. So I I, I need to see more. He is creeping up because yours was close to that Will Levis line. Uh, that we've talked about in the past before, and he's no longer close to the Will Levis line. So I will give him credit. He is he is moving up. He's not quite there yet. Um, but, you know, y- you love to see it with this much talent. So Even if somebody falls off, somebody can move up like a Ewers, like that kind of thing. So, like, it, it's it's good for it's good for everybody if with all these QBs actually looking pretty damn good. Yeah, definitely. All right, but enough about the QBs. Why don't we go ahead and, and uh, transfer over to the running backs? And things have not been looking as uh, good as with the QBs. If anything, I'll tell you, it's it's looked pretty damn rough uh, for a lot of the running backs, except for you know you know me. I don't I don't like to toot my own horn, but like Audric Estime has been looking amazing, and I got a lot of flack from people saying, "Oh, Estime's slow, <clears throat> dirty Mike uh, Mike Valor," and you know, player. It's just it's crazy. I don't want to name any names or anything, but like people were saying, you know, Estime's slow. He doesn't. He's not fluid. He doesn't have juice. That kind of thing. And yet, uh, he's looked pretty damn good through uh, through a couple weeks here. Yeah, he's even he's catching the ball a little bit more than he he was he's used to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I never gave you any crap for estimate. I don't think I was right on the on that no. train with you. No, not you. So, Definitely not. All right, well, that's good for me. Um, and then also Bucky Irving, who you and I both love, he's he's looked pretty good this year too. He's catching a lot of passes. He's hitting those big runs. Um, you know, if you got if you had to make like a Jameer Gibbs comp out of this class, I think Bucky Irving is kind of the closest thing to it. But yeah, the the guys at the top, right? The ones that we were saying were like the the creme de la creme, like the Rocket Sanders, the Travion Hendersons. That hasn't really looked as good this year. Um, granted, I, I know Travion Henderson, you know, is looking a little bit better than he did last year. Um, the big time run rate's still there. Um, but it's still not like that home run, that super playability that he had when he was a freshman and we ran for so many yards and scored all those touchdowns. Uh, that hasn't really come back yet. He's still not really getting involved in the passing game like we want him to. Um, and then Sanders got hurt week one and he's going to be out. He was out last week. He's going to be out this week. So I don't know how long he's going to be out. And he just kind of looked sluggish overall in the first game. Anyhow, he wasn't really hitting any of those big runs like we saw last year either. And then the other guy at the top, I mean, you could make arguments, but I think a lot of people probably had Braylon Allen at number three, my guy from Wisconsin. And he's kind of like, it seems like the coaching staff there is kind of has more faith in Ches Malusi, uh, who was hurt most of last season with the with the ACL or a knee injury or something. I don't, I don't remember what he had, but he was out most of last year. Um, 
the good thing about Braylon Allen is he's getting a ton of targets for some reason. And he's kept, he's already caught 13 passes. And I don't know what Phil Longo's doing there. Now it hasn't really amounted to any yards. He's only got like 36 yards in those catches, but for whatever reason, they're just peppering the guy with, with uh, these passes out of the backfield. So that's, I mean, that's something that they they have confidence in him in the passing game, um, which is one of the things that everyone was, had, was holding against Braylon Allen. He's already got 13 catches, which is like how much he had all of last season. So there, th- that's something I think to be, you know, at least a little bit positive about Braylon Allen. Uh, but and he's he's still you know he's had he's still hitting the the big time runs. It's just the only concerning thing I think is just that he's losing some work to Ches Malusi, which I don't think is that concerning because Ches Malusi played pretty well a couple seasons ago when uh, he was healthy as well. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about it. I think Braylon Allen still looks fine. So, uh, but overall, it's yeah, it's definitely not it's not trending in the right direction for this running back class. No, it's not. And I think the one that I'm most concerned about, because I'm, I'm not truly concerned about Rocket Sanders. Um, I, I know people are talked about how he's, he's gained weight and all of a sudden now he's not you know the same player and whatever. But, I mean, he, he either was hurt already or he got hurt in week one. And then, you know, he was limited in practice, didn't practice, didn't play, you know, and, and all that after that. So I'm not overly concerned about Rocket not looking the same, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and blame the knee injury there because, I mean, if they tell me he's hurt, I'm going to believe that he's hurt. Um, now, I mean, if it continues throughout the entire season, then that's a different story. But through a couple of games, I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, Trevion Henderson, like you said, he he was right back to being Trevion Henderson last week. Now, it was against a, a, a terrible team, but if you go look at what the running backs did, he was the only one that actually did anything. Everyone else looked like, you know, average Joes. And then Trevion was Trevion, like 11 yards per attempt, you know, like the big time run rate, the touchdowns, like all that kind of stuff. So, no, he's not putting up the, the big, like, 200-yard games that maybe we kind of hoped for, that kind of thing. Uh, they're Also, the offense in general is just not good uh, in, in Ohio State, at Ohio State. So, I, I'm i not overly concerned about him. Braylon Allen, eh. Like you said, he's kind of he's lost his workhorse role per se, but he's gained a receiving role, which is really weird. Um, so it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to a player because that's what we wanted from him was for him to have a receiving role. But I'm I am concerned about Donovan Edwards because for whatever reason, he is just not the same player that he was last year. And I mean, he looked amazing last year taking over for Blake Corm after he got hurt. Corm's back. He should be in the NFL, but with that injury, the timing and all that kind of stuff, he comes back. Corm still looks like Corm. He still looks amazing. Edwards does not look like the, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, I, it's just, I was very excited about Donovan Edwards moving up to that, like running back four in the class. And I can't say through a couple weeks here that I'm uh, feeling the same way after a couple weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I've never really been super high on Donovan Edwards uh, because of Blake Corum, and also it just feels like for whatever reason there's been a, a philosophy shift in this offense. They're they're trusting JJ McCarthy more, which is meaning they're not having to run as much, which is meaning they're not needing to rely on two running backs as much. So Blake Corum is still going to be Blake Corum, which you know we love obviously, and yeah, unfortunately that means Donovan Edwards isn't really 
getting as many looks. I think he still looks good out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, he's got nine catches on the season uh, for 59 yards, uh, he, but he, the production's not there, um, which is disappointing for sure. Um, but you know, the opportunity isn't, hasn't been as, as much either. Um, granted, uh, when he has 18 carries to Blake Corm's 25. So, um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, even split. Like some people probably thought was going to happen, but he is still getting a, a decent bulk of, of the workload. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always had my doubts about Donovan Edwards. I think he's undersized and he, he's never really come out and taken that job from Blake Corum, which, you know, isn't necessarily an indictment because we, you know, I love Blake Corum. I think he's a great player. Um, but I think it is concerning a little bit for sure. I mean, if anything, it's actually a feather in the cap of Corum because, you know, this whole time everyone's like, it's just the offensive line. That's the only thing that, that, that it's creating Corum or making him who he's been. Really? <laughs> Are we sure about that? Because if it's just the offensive line, then I'm pretty sure that Donovan Edwards would have, you know, 400 rushing yards right now and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe, just maybe Blake Corum's a quality running back that should be in the NFL. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but just like Donovan Edwards has fallen off, we actually saw the complete opposite for Devin Neal. And so, you know, that part's at least a little bit exciting through two weeks. Uh, he's looking pretty damn explosive which wasn't always the case, uh, at least in the past, you know, but he's, he's breaking off big plays, 11% uh, big time run rate uh, through the last couple of years. More importantly, he's a you know pretty big part of the receiving game uh, through two games as well. So uh, everything I love to see, he's, I mean, he, he was never low by any means, but he was kind of in that like mid pack closer to like an Audric Estime last year uh, before Estime even like truly took over and like that kind of thing. And now like Neil's kind of jumping up closer to that top, that top tier. Um, I don't know if I expect it to stay that way, but for right now, he's definitely right there. Yeah. This Kansas running game is looking really solid through two weeks. Uh, Devin Neal's looked really good. And uh, the RB two on that team, Daniel Hyshaw has looked pretty good as well. Um, like you already mentioned the big time run rates. They're, they're busting off those big runs. Now I know they've they've played Illinois, which you know I think that's a, that's a pretty good opponent uh, from the Big Ten. You, you, you know they're going to be playing hard nosed defense. Uh, Missouri State wasn't exactly the, the greatest opponent, you know, defensive opponent, but um, it'll but be he actually played yeah. better against Illinois than right. he did against Missouri State. So that, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> who knows? No, I know that, and that that is uh, impressive. I think so. Um, I've always liked Devin Neal. I thought that, you know, he's a three-star guy that started as a true freshman, uh, which is something that, you know, we love to see. And he's always, he always is consistent. He puts up good numbers and it is good to see that he's really contributing a lot in the passing game this year, which we hadn't necessarily seen as much of uh, in his first two seasons. Yeah, and then a player that I don't think we've talked about too much on here. Now, we did talk about his teammate. Uh, you know, uh, I talked about his teammate, Dylan Sampson. But I think Jalen Wright has, you know, made made an argument to be in the mix here. Not not top tier by any means or anything like that, but definitely be in the mix. 
uh, for this class. And, you know, same thing, 11% big time run rate, three receptions per game, one PPR points per touch, like a lot of the stuff that you want to see. And this year, Tennessee's offense hasn't been nearly as prolific as it was last season. And yet, you know, he's still looking pretty good, at least in week one. Week two wasn't nearly as exciting for any of those players. Uh, Obviously, it was extremely exciting for Wright and Dylan Sampson in week one there. And then, like I said, last week kind of fell off a little bit. But how are you feeling about Wright there? Um, You know, it kind of hits just about every threshold that I want to see. And like I said, I don't think that it was – not to say he wasn't ever on our radar or anything, but he's not somebody like we really talked about a lot last year. Yeah, I mean, he's probably not on a lot of people's radars right now just because he is in like a, a kind of a timeshare uh, running back with the with Jabari Small and Dylan Sampson, who you mentioned. But he's ripping off huge plays. Uh, he's already got uh, 230 yards rushing through two games on only 25 carries. Uh, you mentioned the big time runs. He's already got 10 of those. I think that's second in the country right now. Um, I actually, cause people gave up on Jalen, Wright. I think after last season and I, I scoured the waivers to see if anyone had dropped him and if he was available and sure enough, he was, he was there in one of my leagues. So I scooped him up for a dollar because nobody was even thinking about picking up Jalen, Wright. Cause why would you? But, um, yeah, he's a guy that I think is looking really good right now. If you know, Tennessee is going to be an offense that scores a ton of points. So yeah, why not a guy like Jalen, Wright? Uh, who could, you know, potentially come out this year and, you know, make an NFL roster. Yeah. And I really think that they're going to, they're going to lean on the running game more than they did last year. You know, Milton is proving to not be very good, which I think we had kind of already talked about. That's what we expected. Uh, You know, he, 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 he had in a very small sample, some really good games, but he had three or four years before that where he was absolutely terrible. And so like, what were we going to believe? I think the three to four years, the much larger sample than the the small sample looking pretty damn good. You know, yes, we know he has a, a big arm. It has not really uh, proven to be uh, worth it, you know, with the, the first couple of games. You know, I, I think I was listening to, uh, shoot, uh, one of the campus Canton pods. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, sorry guys, but I was listening to one of them and they were talking about how they were playing against Austin P. <laughs> it was like, if you can't be good, uh, throwing against them, then, you know, what are you going to do? And, and Jalen Wright actually was, he had like over a hundred yards rushing and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like they are going to lean on Wright. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Jabari small needs to get the hell out of there. He does not deserve to be even in that backfield. Uh, it needs to be the right in Samson show, and that's what it should be moving forward. Whether that actually happens or not, you know, that's not up to me, unfortunately. Um, is there anyone else? I, I guess a, like a Roman Hemby uh, would be somebody that we could talk about, uh, but is there anyone else that you really want to talk about, either moving up or moving down substantially in this class for you? Um, not off the top of my head. I'm we already talked about like Estime, Bucky Irving. We touched Marshawn Lloyd, I think from uh, USC has looked uh, kind of decent. And I will just say Will Shipley as well. Uh, I think he's really played a lot better than, than uh, I thought he was, uh, you know, through the first two weeks here. Uh, I know, you know, we've already shit on Clemson enough tonight, but I think, uh, Shipley's a guy that kind of resurrected his value a little bit through two weeks, but uh, 
you know, obviously we have to get through an entire season before we can really say anything definitively. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't moved too much for me. I think that, uh, he's kind of what I thought he was, you know, and, and like, he's, he's good enough and he's going to end up in the NFL, but I don't know that he's like truly special or anything like that. And that's kind of how I've always felt about him. Um, but I think that, eh, I was going to, like I said, I, I mentioned Roman Hemby. I was going to kind of like give him props because he's looked pretty damn good through two weeks, you know, 220 yards rushing, two touchdowns, six receptions, 69 yards, it was against Towson and Charlotte. So I, I guess we won't get overly excited about Roman Hemby just yet. We need to see it against an actual quality op- opponent there. <laughs> I'll mention one last name before we go. And it's a guy that I've liked for like the last three years. And nobody else seems to be on board with it w- with me. But I'll just is say it, it here. Is it British books? Br- British no, no, books? no. It's it's uh, oh. <laughs> Joquavius Marks from uh, Mississippi State. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think he's looked really good this year without Dylan Johnson on the team. Um, he, you know, he's, he's busting up the big runs. Uh, he's still super involved in the passing game, uh, even with the change in the head coach. Uh, obviously, with, uh, you know, their coach passing away last season. But, um, yeah, I, I've liked Joe Quavius Marks for a long time because he, he he's uh, 210 pounds and he catches the ball out of the backfield a ton. Now I know it's all these like these design screenplays and whatnot, but um, you know, and the Mississippi State air raid offense has never been uh, good for running backs. But I think this year, you know, he's playing well, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same thing. He played southeastern Louisiana uh, week one and Arizona week two, so I mean take it with a grain of salt. But I mean he definitely has uh, looked pretty good and. uh, the receiving game, you know, we, we love to see the receiving game. So I can't hate on, on the call out. We need to see if it continues, but he, he should definitely be mentioned at the very least. And then getting into the wide receivers, this might be the most interesting part because I feel like, whereas, you know, we said like the running backs are kind of falling off, whatever. I feel like the wide receivers are all over the place. You know, we have a couple guys moving up, but man, I'll tell you what it's, it's kind of gross out there and we'd already talked about how we felt like in the past we felt like the the wide receiver uh, core was the worst part of the class and i don't think anything's truly changed there no not at all i mean i think every it's kind of the same thing with the quarterbacks in that we all are on board that we know who the the top of the class is and that's marvin harrison jr at this point um I feel bad because Egbuka was my wide receiver too. I think he still could be my wide receiver too, but he's taken a step back through two weeks here. And I think it could be related to that entire offense taking a step back because they don't have CJ Stroud now. Um, Kyle McCord, you know, he's just not as dynamic, unfortunately. Um, but as it stands right now, I think you have to start talking about guys like Roma Dunze as wide receiver too. But honestly, I view like a, it's just a giant tier after after Marvin Harrison Jr. It goes him and then everybody else. You know, you've got a Dunze there, you've got a Buka, uh, then you got to start throwing in guys like uh, Keon Coleman, Malik Neighbors, Jalen McMillan. You could, you know, Troy Franklin. You could throw in there Brian Thomas, uh, the guys from Colorado, Xavier Weaver, uh, Jimmy Horn have looked good through two weeks. I really like Will Shepard from Vandy. 
Um, so there's there's talent out there. I think we just need to let it play out and sort of let the cream rise to the top to see who truly is like the best. Because uh, right now it's you know it just seems like Marvin Harrison Jr. and everybody else. I'm surprised that you're you know that you're willing to move a Dunze up that high because he is not. I mean he he's kind of in that like middle tier for me. Um, he's just. You know, it, it it always leads back. Doesn't always, but it, a lot of times it leads back to the market share. You know, like I, I like to look at the market share for these players, and it's like, okay, yeah, like he he's gonna have twelve hundred yards receiving or whatever, except for they're throwing for five thousand yards, so it's not that exciting. You know, whereas you know you, you might get a guy like a Malik Neighbors that has a uh, thousand yards receiving, but they only throw for twenty six hundred yards. You know, that's a lot more impressive when you're actually looking at the context of the two teams, like that kind of thing. Honestly, nothing has truly changed for me. Um, I agree with you that Marvin Harrison Jr. is in his own tier. Uh, that has become pretty clear through at least a couple weeks there. But Emeka Buka is not that far behind. I mean, if you looked at this last week, it, it was kind of the Marvin Harrison show in like the first quarter, but I mean, it wasn't that much long. It wasn't that long until we saw that it was also the Emeka Buka show. And you know, like he's not that far behind him. Uh, so that hasn't changed for me. I know people are still a little concerned about like Xavier Worthy's drops and stuff, but I'm really truly not all that concerned about that. He's still my number three. Neighbors is still my number four. Um, and then you know Troy Franklin has actually moved up for me, so I you know I will give him I will give him that. Although it has not been great competition, so I it's kind of with the grain of salt. I, I need to see a little bit more. It's been like these big plays and everything, which is his game. Like that's what he's going to do. I need to see it against actual competition. And then unfortunately he plays in the pack 12. So we can never say that he has, will have actual competition, but you know, who knows we can, you know, maybe get a little bit better than Mercer or whoever the hell he was playing. I don't know. Um, and then Keon Coleman obviously has moved up uh, pretty substantially. He was he was kind of in that middle area with the Roma Roma Dunze uh, for me. And then obviously, especially after that week one against LSU, like he skyrocketed for me. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, like it starts it starts falling off after that. Like J. Michael Sturdivant, Jeremiah Hunter. Uh, you know, players like that. That. Uh, yeah, you know, Brian Thomas even kind of getting into the mix for LSU, but I actually have a Dunze after Brian Thomas. Like, they're essentially tied, basically. Um, Will Shepard, Jaron Bradley, like Trey Harris, players like that. Like, those are, but man, that's just a big tier of like, maybe we need to see a lot more. Uh, so, like, I don't feel uber confident about any of those players at this point. But I'm saying, like, they all have the chance to be in that mix when it's all said and done. Yeah, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't calling a Dunze my wide receiver, too. I was more saying, like, he's 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 put himself up there in that conversation in that tier. Um, I think I think what you're saying about Ibuka playing well last week is true. He obviously didn't show up week one. Um you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I, I didn't mention worthy. You're right to throw him into the mix. I just think that, you know, after Marvin Harrison jr. Right now, it's just like a big kind of a question mark as to like, who, who really can we project forward into the NFL comfortably? Um, and I think we will figure it out. It's just, it's going to be a matter of just uh, waiting these next few weeks to see, you know, who, who the best one really is. Yeah, so we talked about some risers. Is there anyone that's like truly falling off for you? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't think there's anyone that's like 
completely fallen off. I guess, I guess Johnny Wilson with Keon Coleman coming over there. Like I thought that there was a chance that Wilson could have been been a thing. He was once again in that like middle tier or anything. He was never in like the top tiers or anything for me. But um, I think that you know C- Coleman has come over and, and taken any kind of chance of him being you know like proving that he's going to be this like true NFL stud and everything. And then I guess we should probably talk about. Uh, not that he's a follower. If anything, he's a riser. But um, someone that I don't truly believe is going to be like an NFL talent, or uh, or if he is, he probably needs to prove a lot more uh, before it happens. Is Roman Wilson, uh, you know, out of Michigan because uh, he's been pretty damn good through two weeks, albeit you know not against the greatest defenses uh, or greatest uh, competition. At least in week two, week one was decent. But uh, how do you feel about Wilson there? You know, senior, it's hard to fall in love with these guys that just do absolutely nothing for three years and then, you know, finally show up. But it's also not unheard of that somebody does that and then goes on to be at least decent in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I like him. Um, slot receiver, nothing, you know, too fancy about him. He's he's getting, a lot, he's getting peppered with uh, targets over there, him and Cornelius Johnson. Um, as far as like wide receivers, but, um, I mean, as far as you can in, uh, in a Michigan offense, but, uh, yeah, I think the five touchdowns is what sticks out. Obviously you see Michigan scored again and it was Roman Wilson again. You start saying like, Oh Jesus, you're kind of getting the same thing with like guys like Xavier Leggett at South Carolina and Trey Harris at Ole Miss, these guys that have been there for four or five years and all of a sudden they're scoring a handful of touchdowns in two weeks and you're like, well, how come I didn't have these guys on any of my lists? And I think you just kind of have to fall back onto your priors a little bit there and be like, oh, well, let's, let's see how this plays out. Is it going to be like a Charlie Jones from Purdue last year where it goes the entire season and he ends up getting drafted in the fourth round or third round or whatever. Um, then, you know, we can obviously start talking about the NFL a little bit. Um, I think, you know, all those guys have a have a good chance at this point of making it. It's just a matter of keeping it up throughout the rest of the year. I do not appreciate your Trey Harris slander. And, uh, you know, he, he was not on Ole Miss. So, you know, it, it, this is not the same whatsoever. Where He actually transferred up to Ole Miss uh, from G5. And he was actually somebody that I was extremely excited about. And then he went out and did what he did week one. Unfortunately, he got injured in week, like very early on in week two. So we haven't been able to see if it's going to continue on. But I do not appreciate the Trey Harris slander there. All right. Well, I guess I'll take it back a little bit. But um, be, because you are right, like he had almost a thousand yards last season at, at La Tech. So it isn't the same situation. Um, I guess it's more or less kind of just like a name that wasn't on somebody's radar a year ago. And now he's scoring a ton of touchdowns in the uh, power five, but uh, I will concede a little bit there. You're right. Do not make me do Trey Harris victory laps because I will do it. I'm not, I'm not hating on Trey Harris. I just said like in the last segment that he's, he's doing, I like Trey Harris. (laughs) No, honestly, I'm very disappointed that he got injured. I mean, I, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but uh, I, I really wanted to see what he could do and continue on and everything. Because he honestly, like, I'm not all joking aside, he he was a player that I was pretty damn excited about. And uh, there's a reason why I had him. You know, people were talking about if you listen to like C2C and and you know Campus to Canton podcasts and stuff like that, 
last week, all you heard was add Trey Harris, add Trey Harris, add Trey Harris and waivers. They could not do it in my leagues because I already had Trey Harris. So I have receipts, baby. <laughs> there was no waivers. He was already on my team because I drafted him in the startup. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Just get ahead of the ahead of the eight ball. That's right, baby. Actually, I also drafted his teammate, Noah Thomas, who's, who was also a waiver ad for a lot of people. I already had him, so I I, I loved when my t- my league mates went to you know search it and be like, all right, let's go ahead and add this. Pl- oh, John has him. Okay, I'm, well I'll add Noah Thomas. Oh, Jesus! All right, John has him. What the hell? <laughs> so that hat that that felt good. I didn't get to see it. I wish I could have you know recorded it, but it's I, I know I can I can visualize it, and so I know it felt good. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, I, I dream about it nightly for sure. Yeah. I'm sure that happened to every one of your league mates. <laughs> all Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't think we need to take another break unless you need to grab another beer or are you good to go? I'm good. I'm good to go. All right. Well then we'll go ahead and just dive into the week three preview here. Um, and a, a team that we already talked about quite a bit, UNC, Drake May, all that going going up against your boys. Or no, not your boys. Not my your boys, Wisconsin. my my rivals. Yeah. Your rivals, I'm sorry. Your your anti boys uh in, in Minnesota. And uh I guess it's a it's a line of uh, seven and a half for UNC. Uh, giving to Minnesota there. How are you yeah. feeling about that game? Uh, you know, your your rivals. I don't even know why I'm asking this question, but I guess I will because you did give a little bit of concern about Drake May. Well, I guess I do kind of have to stay on brand then and say that Minnesota is going to easily cover the spread. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Minnesota's pass defense has allowed under 100 yards per game through the first two games. Granted, that was against Nebraska and whoever the hell they played last week, uh, <laughs> which wasn't the best competition. I think it was Eastern Michigan. Uh, the running backs on those teams have yet to eclipse 100 yards in a game against them. Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Nebraska, did run for over 100 yards, but uh, he was a better athlete than Drake May. And then the UNC defense obviously has some concerns too. Um they couldn't stop the run last week against App State. Nate Noel went for over 100 yards. Uh, App State, as a team, ran for over 200 yards. Um, and the Minnesota running backs are far better than what Appalachian State has, including my one to watch this week, and that is true freshman Darius Taylor, uh, who I think is a guy that, if he wasn't added in your league, he definitely should have been added. I'm sure that he has probably in all of them at this point. Uh, true freshman ran for almost 200 yards last last week, including six big time runs, which turned into five breakaway runs. Not a bad debut for a true freshman at Minnesota there. Um, and they also have Sean Tyler, the transfer from uh, Western Michigan, who has looked pretty good in his own right. Um, so I think, I think Minnesota could win this game outright. I know their quarterback, Ethan Kaliak Manis is not good at all. Uh, but I think the running game is, is all that Minnesota is really going to need to keep it close. I do worry that UNC's probably got a more two-dimensional offense than them, but I, I believe in Minnesota's defense and keeping this a lower scoring game than what we're used to seeing with UNC, which UNC's, you know, we're usually talking like 70-point games, so it's still probably going to be a little bit high scoring. I just don't think it's going to be as high scoring. 
Yeah, you're wilding on this one. I mean, you got Drake May, and you know if you're comparing the running backs, you know I, I would take Marion Hampton and British Brooks over uh, Darius Taylor or whatever the hell his name is. I we actually just talked about him on uh, on the Debbie Devotional because we were talking about the the freshmen and sophomores that are breaking out, you know, or at least looking like they could break out. And we actually just talked about him uh, for uh, for Minnesota there. So he is a player to watch for sure, but. If I'm going to bet on somebody, it's probably going to be the you know the sophomore and the fifth year player that have you know been there, done that, that kind of thing. If Brooks is healthy, which I think we're assuming is going to happen. So as far as the run game, you know, I would say let's just say they're equal. Okay, that's great. Now let's look at the passing game. It's Drake May versus Calicamanus uh, or whatever the hell his name is, uh, the, the Greek rifle. I'm pretty sure they call him. So. I yeah I'm taking Drake May uh, so yeah uh, they easily cover uh, UNC by seventeen. All right, that's fair. You're probably right, honestly, uh, because <laughs> Kelly Manis is is dog shit for sure. <laughs> but I just wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to pump up my boy Darius Taylor because I thought uh, I I picked him up everywhere I could, and I think he might end up being no. He- he does look he does look good I, I i like taylor a lot and uh he, he's definitely somebody that should be added you know whether it's debbie c2c whatever but you know just because we like a player doesn't mean we like an offense you know and so and uh i i've in. watched i've watched enough of cali manis to know that he cannot push it down the field they cannot score quickly uh so you know it, it if anything, like the worst thing that might happen in this game is that it's just all running on both sides of the of the field, and it's just like a nine to twelve game or something like that. Like I don't see that happening, but I guess it is possible if they truly focus on on just running. But that brings us to the next game. It's Kansas State minus five point five against Missouri, and then you wrote in a, a little side note here, uh, a little question. And ridiculous question. Could Luther Burden actually maybe be kind of good? Um, do you want to answer that question or do you want me to answer that question? Well, um, well, first of all, I'll just talk about the game. And I, th- I think K-State ultimately covers a five and a half just because they're a better team. I like what we've seen from DJ Giddens and Trayshawn Ward out of the backfield. Uh, I think they've got a potential star receiver in RJ Garcia. Uh, I know how you feel on Will Howard. Uh, I think we've seen enough in two games to know that he's certainly not special, but he's decent enough college QB, nothing really electrifying. On the other side of the ball, uh, they've got Cody Schrader, you know, just kind of like a smattering of, you know, has-beens from D2 and wherever else playing, playing on that team. And then you've got Luther Burden. And I think, I think we do need to have the conversation now I, I I can't say that I'm victory lapping it because I, I wasn't as high on Luther Burden as other people were either. Are we really so, doing this? Are, are we actually doing this? No, no, I'm not. I'm just saying like the things that we hated last season, which were his yards per reception were so low at like 8.7. Now it's at 14. He's added two yards to his yak uh, per reception. He's not dropping the ball as much. He's forcing more missed tackles. He's making contestant catches. I think moving him primarily to the slot has kind of unlocked him a little bit. And I, we have to, we have to acknowledge it. We have to move the pen when the pen needs, the needle needs to be moved, you know? 
So I'm going to say some of the nicest things I've ever said about Luther Burden here. Okay. Um, he is the clear number one option for Missouri. There's just, there's no one else. I believe he had eight receptions in the last game. I, I'm pretty sure that the next uh, closest receiver had two. So like, he's the clear option as he should be. Cause there's no one on Missouri. <laughs> They're absolute garbage. Uh, it's a garbage offense, garbage, everything. They've played South Dakota and Middle Tennessee State. And people are trying to do victory lap. Not, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying people. People in general are trying to victory lap. Luther Burn is who we thought he was and all that kind of stuff. No. Now, I did not watch any of the Middle Tennessee State game. But I watched. I didn't even watch the South Dakota game. Because why the hell would you watch Missouri versus South Dakota? But I did watch a lot of the clips. I watched every single passing play that went to Luther Burden in that game. And he was exactly the same player that we that we thought he was. He's exactly the same player that he was last year, but he was playing South Dakota. Now, last time I checked, Missouri is in the SEC, correct? They're going to play SEC opponents at some point, and he's not going to be getting 117 yards and zero touchdowns against SEC opponents. Like, think about that. Middle Tennessee State, he had 14.6 uh, yards per reception. I'm assuming, I, I, I didn't actually look it up, so maybe I should have actually done this before I went on my rant. I'm assuming that most of that, like his dot was like seven yards per, uh, seven yards down the field, whatever, something like that. And then he had some yak, you know, after that, because it's middle Tennessee state. I know from the South Dakota game, from watching that, it was all around the line of scrimmage, exactly the same player that we thought. Nothing has changed. We need to see him actually play quality opponents before. And I know you're about to say, oh, it was better for Middle Tennessee State. It's Middle Tennessee State! Okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't care. We need to see him actually play some quality opponents before we talk about anything. Like, if he had had uh, Dirty Mike, Mike Valerie, uh, from, from C2C, from Campus to Canton, the C2C boys, all that kind of stuff, he, he talked about on his pod how... Uh, or he actually mentioned it to me how like he, he's back. Luther Burden, you know, is, is, is so much better than you know than I was. You know, gave him credit for all that kind of stuff. I watched that game. He, he, he's not, and I don't mean to hate on Mike by any means, but you know, he he gets pretty vocal about his players, and uh, yeah, it, not he's not there yet. We we got to see something uh, against an actual opponent. Uh, so yes, his A dot against South Dakota State was uh, twelve. <laughs> but uh, um, I think that the change to the slot receiver has helped him. Like, I get it. Yes, he hasn't played anyone good yet. South Dakota. Middle, oh, it was Middle Tennessee. The ADOT was 12. Sorry. Um, not South Dakota. But you're right about the South Dakota. His ADOT was like five again. So, um, But he's, he's moved to the slot. It's changed the offense a little bit. He's kind of in that. What, what Dominic Lovett was doing last year a little bit, you know, um, and unfortunately for Dominic Lovett, he's kind of tanked a little bit here too. Um, you know, going back to the wide receiver talk about who's kind of losing value, I would put him in probably even maybe even Dorian yeah. Singer in that in that list right now. Whoa, too. whoa, 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 whoa! Not Singer, <laughs> not Singer. All right, all right, all right I'm, right, I'm right. fine with Lovett. Lovett, Lovett is true. Like that one, he, he's lost. Like I, I don't know if it's the offense or whatever, but like they've they've played some quality teams and stuff like that, and he has not done hardly anything. 
Singer, get the hell out of here. No, they're, I know. I just said that to trigger you. <laughs> they are they're 100% uh, testing the waters for what this offense is going to be in future years and right. future games, future years, like that kind of stuff. Like they have played literally no one. And now they're on a bye week. Like when they're playing actual opponents, which they, I mean, once again, pack 12, all that, but I mean, they get into like Notre Dame, they have a rougher part of the schedule. When they get into that, you're going to see Dorian Singer being, if not the first target, you know, one of the primary targets, that kind of thing. They're not going to be rolling out Deuce Robinson and Makai Lemon and all that kind of stuff in those games where they're actually having to play and win and all that. So, uh, no, I don't want to hear any Dorian Singer hate. No, I, uh, I, I actually don't. I mean, all joking aside, all kidding aside, like I don't think that I'm taking anything away from what we've seen except for the Zachariah Branch is an extremely explosive player. That's the only thing I want to take away from the first couple of games that we've seen from USC, everything else, I think we can literally throw out the window because I mean, they've, they've had broken plays unless you want to believe that Taj Washington is the best player or the best wide receiver for USC. Then I think we kind of have to throw everything out the window. Cause I can pretty clearly say that Taj Washington is not the best wide receiver for USC. He's pretty good though. No, uh, no. I don't, I don't hate him. I've always been like a Taj believer, but it was more like, He's not terrible. Not like, oh my God, Taj yeah. Washington, like that kind of thing. <laughs> no, I know. All right. I didn't mean to get us off on a tangent. I'm I'm sorry. But what I was saying with uh, Luther Burden, he's moving to the slot. He's changed his role a little bit. Yes, I agree. We're not tr- making big rash decisions after two weeks, which is the same thing with Doreen Singer and everybody else. But um, I think it's it's certainly moving in the right direction for Luther Burden. I'm not going to – I still love Evan Stewart way more. I think Evan Stewart's had so you know a couple of great games, and then for me he's clearly the wide receiver one in the class. Um, but Luther Burden, you know, he's looked good. So I'm not going to take it away from him. No, I agree. After, uh, <laughs> after the player that left and went and isn't as good and not Dominic Lovett, and actually fell off once he went to another team. After that player left, now Luther Burden is better. So I, I do agree that the player that is failing in another program dominated him last year. Now Luther Burden is showing up. So you know we can definitely he's say that he's moved, moved a quality like he's, a quality wide receiver for sure. He's in the he's in the love it role now. He's in that slot. Like it's, right, and then that player that player that was in that slot role last year went on and is failing at another program. <laughs> so we can definitely say Luther Burden to the moon, right? No. Oh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. The I, guy I'm looks good through two weeks. <laughs> he, we'll see. He has. I mean, like, I, it's still like, – I, I haven't – I just – I need to see it against an actual opponent, and then I'll believe it. I, I have no problem – admitting that I was wrong. If I'm actually wrong, I, I will not do it against middle Tennessee state and South Dakota. It's just not going to happen. But that's probably enough about all that. We're sitting around an hour 20. Are there any other names that we need to watch this weekend? I know uh, just looking through my C2C lineups and stuff like that, that the matchups aren't as great this, this week. It doesn't seem like, so I don't know that I like truly, can think of like a, a team or a player that like, I'm like, Oh, I have to watch them this week, that kind of thing. But maybe, you know, you, you know a lot more about actual college football than I do. So maybe you have a, a couple names in mind. 
Um, I will just mention one guy that uh, I really enjoyed watching last week, and it's Virginia's true freshman quarterback, Anthony Colandrea. I don't know if I'm saying that correct. Uh, he filled in for Tony Musket, who was injured last season, last week. Um, I don't know if he's going to be injured again this week. You know, with college, we don't know what the heck's going on. Um, but who does Virginia play? They play Maryland this week. So they're big underdogs to Maryland. But Anthony Colandrea looked really good last week. Um, highly efficient. Uh, they ended up losing to James Madison because Virginia sucks as a team. But a true freshman putting up a game like that in, uh, you know, especially a guy who wasn't highly recruited, I think is is a is something that you need to pay attention to. Um, he is a guy that I picked up in a lot of my waivers where I could um, just, you know, to have a true freshman quarterback put up a game like that is 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 something that you need to pay attention to. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but uh, he had a pretty efficient game threw some touchdown passes, made some big-time throws. Um, I think he turned it over once, but overall, a solid game. I like it. A nice deep dive there. Um, and, and, I mean, anytime you can get in early on a true freshman, you know, you, you got to love that. So getting to see these players, you know, my whole thing with uh, with a lot of the like the, the QBs in the, in the freshman class was – I wanted to put Dante Moore over them because we were going to see Dante Moore right away or like, you know, very shortly after the season started, one of the two, because then you get to know who the player is regardless if they're good or not. And then, you know, you would kind of mention like they, they hold their value so well that even if they're not that good, then you can still sell them for quite a bit just because you're like, ah, but you get that answer quick, quick enough to where you can make that decision and move on from them. And obviously this is a very lower level version of that. So it's not quite the same, but if he starts blowing up or whatever, then um, you know, you can add him on your teams, do all that kind of stuff. So I, I love the call out there. I actually want to see our boy Lucas. I don't even, we don't know what Lucas is doing this week. Uh, if he's on another covert mission or, or whatever, but we know he's not here. But, you know, I want to see what the running game is going to do uh, for Tennessee against F- Florida, my Gators, uh, this week. I don't believe that the Gators' offense is good, but I, I mean, the Gators always have a good defense. So. I, I want to see, you know, what can Joe Milton do? What can, but more importantly, what can the rushing game do? Jalen Wright, not Jamari Small, uh, Jabari Small, but um, Dylan Sampson as well. Uh, you know, can they put up some points against this, you know, pretty stout defense? And then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that Florida's going to do anything because Florida's terrible right now. So I would hope that Tennessee wins the game uh, for their sake because if they don't, then they are also bad. Uh, very bad, but uh, I I just want to see what the running backs do. Yeah, on behalf of the state of Wisconsin, I have to apologize for Graham Mertz. Uh, I'm sorry that we we gave him to you like that, um, but he's yours now, so you have to deal with it. I I don't want to. I like I I didn't want him when he first got there. I definitely don't want him now. It's it's. I mean, if anything, I feel like. Uh, somebody said uh jacob you look very different <laughs> that's pretty funny uh yeah. yeah uh jacob has definitely uh grown a beard out you know changed changed quite a bit so <laughs> um i 
Oh, I lost my turn. Oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, I, I don't like Mertz. Uh, he's not a quality quarterback. I don't know why people were like, oh, no, he can be viable. No, no, he, he cannot. He, he was terrible. And uh, I watched Jeff Sims for Nebraska look really, really bad. I might actually want Jeff Sims over Graham Mertz at this point. Yeah, I mean, at least Jeff Sims can, like, run for a first down when he's in trouble. Like, Graham Mertz, like, he's he's horrible. And he's actually looked good as far as, like, Graham Mertz is concerned for Florida. But it's still horrible, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, and, and to be very clear, I do not want Jeff Sims at all. But I'm just saying I might want him more than Graham Mertz. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, we're uh, pretty close to an hour and a half here. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, had a lot of good talk about, you know, is Texas back? All that kind of stuff. Oh, actually, Spencer has a an actual question about your boy, Braylon Allen. So Spencer Adkins asked, what the fuck happened with Braylon Allen last week? And uh, it's a it's a good question. We you know we touched on Braylon a little bit, but we didn't really talk about how I mean he kind of got dominated uh, by uh, Ches Malusi and Malusi Malusi, however the hell you say his name. And um, yeah, like, like I said, you touched on it a little bit, but why don't you go into a little more uh, detail here? Um, well, let me pull up the game a little bit and just double check my numbers. But I mean, what, what we talked about was. Um, you know, he's getting more involved in the passing game, which is like what the big knock was against him. Obviously that's not, it's, he's not like dynamic in the passing game, but he's still getting like a good market share of the receptions. And yeah, unfortunately last week, uh, you know, he's, he's still, I'm pulling up his uh, rushing numbers last week. You know, he's still like close to a 50, 50 split as far as, as carries is concerned. Uh, but I think they fell behind early against Washington state and um, for whatever reason, Phil Longo kind of views Braylon Allen as, uh, you know, his not like his between the tackles guy. Uh, I think he thinks Ches Malusi is the guy who does kind of the dirty work and they were giving him more carries throughout that game. Um I don't know if that's a trend or if that was just, you know, the way the game script was going because they fell behind so early. Um, obviously against Buffalo, you know, he looked like Brandon Allen. He had 141 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, he still had the big breakaway runs, which we'd love to see. Um, I think overall, you know, it was just a weird fluky week with Wisconsin just getting overall dominated by Washington State. So I'm not too concerned with Brandon Allen, which we we touched on earlier. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I, I didn't watch the game. I don't even know if you did because you were on vacation. Generally speaking, you would because obviously it's your team. But, um, you know, I, I think that they were just getting walloped. And, you know, you can kind of take it with a grain of salt. If it continues, obviously it's something we'll be concerned about. I'm not overly concerned about Chesma Lucy, you know, taking over for Braylon Allen or anything. And, I mean, remember, like, after week one, people moved Braylon Allen up to number one in, in, in the class, you know, like, and then after week two, people are concerned about him. Like, let's calm down a little bit. Let's, let's, let's push the brakes a little bit and just see what happens, uh, you know, as it continues on. Obviously we know Wisconsin is not like an ex excellent team or anything like that. Uh, but you know, like they're going to have their, their, their poor weeks and they're also going to have their good weeks when they're playing not as quality of programs. Um, but I think that answers that question, and that is basically all we have to talk about tonight. Uh, we will definitely be back in, in two weeks. Are we going to go to weekly now? Uh, I think we had discussed it, but I don't know if we actually decided on that or not. 
I mean, I'm down for weekly. I'll let you know for sure, though, before we make it a thing. But I think, you know, we can probably do weekly. I'm definitely going to do the recap this weekend, so we can always look forward to that. But uh, if not, two weeks, but maybe one week. Yeah, I think I'm down for weekly as well. Uh, as long as we're doing it around, you know, Wednesday nights uh, around this time and everything, I am good to go. Uh, definitely make sure that you check out the Debbie recap every week. Like I said, just a, a good way to keep up with it, even if you couldn't. I know, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I cannot watch every single game on Saturdays. I have a family and a business and all that kind of stuff. So it just doesn't work out that way. We do appreciate you guys listening. We will be back in at least a week possibly two weeks. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and wait on that. I am at El Nostra Thomas on Twitter. This is at Jacob Sanderson. We will be, bi- we will be back as soon as possible. Uh, but for now we're cashing out. See you guys.